guys, welcome to season two, episode six of Vibing in Valentino. So, my weekly weakness this week, I've been obsessed with Pop Smoke's album, Meet the Woo 2. I think I have a thing for like really deep voices and his voice. I tell people all the time, I'm like, if he can just read me like a bedtime story or sing me a lullaby, a trap lullaby every night, I would be the happiest girl in the world. <laughs> so um, if you guys are into, you know, like hip hop, rap, trap music, I highly recommend his album. Some of my favorite songs on there, let's see. I like Foreigner, Sweetheart, Element, Mannequin, and of course, obviously Dior, classic. <laughs> but yeah, I've been listening to Sweetheart a lot and Element. Element, I think, or no, Mannequin. Mannequin samples Ariana Grande's Seven Rings and that song is a vibe. I love it. I work out to it. So if you guys haven't listened to it yet, I highly recommend it. Before we get into a conversation with our guests of the week, I would just like to remind you guys, if you guys want to purchase my eight-week workout plan vibing strong or if you guys want to book a one hour consult with me where we can talk about anything fitness nutrition related visit my website vibinginvalentino.com the link will be in the show notes below for you guys drop a line and say hi and i would love to hear from you all right let's get right into our conversation with our guests of the week Our episode this week is all about hair. I am a big hair product freak, and my hair is a huge part of my identity, as I'm sure it is for many of you listening. Our guest this week knows all about what it takes to get healthy hair. She is the CEO of luxury natural hair care line, Masami Hair. Lynn Powers, welcome to Vibing in Valentino. Thank you. Very excited to be here. <laughs> so and you do have amazing hair, about uh, Thank you. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. We were just talking about it earlier. Thank you for... Um, products. I'm so excited to use them. I can't wait for you to try them. I think you're going to love them. Yeah, I think I will too. But first, tell us all about yourself. You've been behind so many fantastic beauty brand launches. Yeah, so I'm a long time old advertising person. <laughs> um, I spent about 30 years in the ad industry um, running agencies mm -hmm. and launching brands yeah. and doing all kinds of things across all kinds of categories but I've worked on tons of beauty in my career so I've worked on L'Oreal mm -hmm. I've done um, Nexus and Clinique yeah. and a bunch of Estee brands and it's always been just a passion mm -hmm. and I got tired of doing it for someone else yeah <laughs> right <laughs> I mean that's what it is like you get tired of working for other people you have all this skill and talent and vision, you might as well just hone it into something that's... And you know, 50 is the new 30, right? <laughs> so, like, it's all good. You, you did not look 50. Thank you. Are you 50? I'm 52. No oh, my God. What's the skincare routine? Oh, gosh. Oh. It's, it's lots of different things. I actually... I never stick with the same products, and maybe that's part of it. That I'm a junkie. probably is why. You yeah, know what I mean? Because it's like everything is so effective. Your skin doesn't get used to it. Yeah. So I'm because I get so many products from the trade shows I go to, and the because I'm part of Cosmetic Executive Women, I've been part of that for years. And you know, you go to these shows, you get all these products to try, and I just I love trying new things and seeing what I like. And, I love that. Yeah. So that's also made me a very jaded, cynical <laughs> beauty consumer. 
So do you have like a go-to brand then? Because you try so many. Well, my daughter who's here has her go-to brand, which is Glossier. Oh yeah, I love them. I um, love them. She's always trying to get me, you know. She's like, use this, don't use that. Um, but I'm, I am probably my worst nightmare as a consumer because I'm fickle. Got it. So like, I don't want to get myself. <laughs> yeah, you would never want you as your own customer. <laughs> I would never want me as my own customer. Yes. <laughs> But how do you strategize the branding for each of these different companies? Because they're well, big time. Well, I mean, I think for a brand that's been in existence for a long, like when I worked on Clinique, mm-hmm. you know, for the, in, in the case of that, um, you really want to start with the equity and the heritage and the foundation of what that brand is all about Got and it. just modernize it yeah. as opposed to throwing it out and starting over. I think there's a temptation from a lot of companies these days that if they're not cool, yes. That they have to like Gen Z themselves. Yeah, yeah. And it's just it just falls flat. You know, yeah. it's not authentic. It's mm-hmm. it just comes across as really hokey and yeah. Yeah. So when we launched Masmi, it was like, okay, what are the brand tenants? What is the essence? Mm-hmm. Let's start with the foundation and the strategy. Yeah. And then build out from there. And again, that's my background, so it just comes very naturally to me. And we decided, you know, we, obviously clean beauty was really important. Right. But the brand purpose and story was really important, too. And we wanted to make sure that we were giving back and yeah. not just taking. Because um, there's a... I love that. Yeah, yeah. I feel like, especially beauty, with us being such as an industry contributors to the plastic problem. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it just, it, it, it kills me actually. So, um, we set up the Masami Institute, which is our way of giving back to the earth by helping support research and, um, basically rebuilding the ocean ecosystem in Northeast Japan, where we get our main ingredient, makabu. What is that whole process? Do you guys fund the research behind it or the cleanup or? That's exactly right. We were really lucky. Um, so my partner, James, um, his husband, Masa, is from Northeast Japan. Okay. So our name actually has two meanings. One is sort of Masa is our muse. Okay. But also Masami means truly beautiful in Japanese. Oh, I didn't know that. That's yeah. amazing. It is amazing. Yeah. I know. And then, of course, it was globally available, which was even more amazing. So. Yeah. But, um, yeah, so when we started going up to Japan and um, James kind of discovered this ingredient... Mm-hmm. Um, that area of Japan, it's called Atsuchi, where Masa was born, was really hit badly by the tsunami okay. like nine years ago Yeah, and hasn't really fully recovered. So we actually found this guy um, who's amazing, um, Yoshino, who basically was an IT director in Tokyo and felt this calling after the tsunami to go and do what he could to help. Right. And he was diving into the bay, documenting what was going on. Mm-hmm. Um, really the first person to understand that actually there were some problems. The sea nutrients that people relied on for their diets and, and, and other things were being washed out. Okay. And sea urchins, which are like a parasite, Uy. were being pulled in. So that was a problem. So he kind of um, created a campaign to get people to eat the sea urchins. Because we are, of course, top of the food chain, right? Wait, 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 hold on. I love sea urchin. Is that where it all started? It's after the tsunami, we all... Well, <laughs> yeah, we're going to eat all of this. Yeah, and the, the thing that I thought was so interesting about it is, you know, he was telling us that in that area of Japan, I don't know if this is widespread, but people don't 
eat sea urchins every day. You know, they're like yeah. a like turkey on Thanksgiving. You know, yeah. and so his thing was okay. They're they're creating all these issues with with the the ecosystem and the um, natural habitation there. And so if we can get people to eat them more. Mm-hmm. Um, and just go and scoop them out of the bay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we will help. And, and he was able to do that and yeah. actually sort of solve the problem. But it's a wow. constant, he's replanting, he's trying to get the mm-hmm. fishermen to get more involved. Like it's, it's this one guy. And so we're, we're funding his research, okay. um, which is a start. Yeah. And I hope as Masumi grows, we can continue to do more. Yeah. I mean, so. it's so important. I think not just from the tsunami but i think globally just everything well, yeah, our environment has really turned into something that was i mean the tsunami i feel like is just one incident right but they're constantly things that are happening everywhere wildfires all up and down california oh, God. all the time yeah yeah you look at australia i mean everywhere it's yeah. like there's just you know hurricanes and yeah so i think we have to at least try to do what we can to you know and in his case, the research really helped. Um, I mean, we can't solve all the problems, right? Sadly. It's definitely a start, and I feel like this is as the brand grows. I'm sure you guys will mm. make an even bigger impact on. I hope so. The ecosystem around there. So you mentioned a little bit about the Mekabu plant. Is it like a seaweed? Yes. So it's called Mekabu, and okay. they they eat it um, there as part of their staple in their okay. diet, um, and of course. In Japan, they have the longest life expectancy yeah, on, they do. on the planet, right? And what my my partner noticed is that everyone there is so healthy, and they have such good hair and mm-hmm. good skin. Yeah. And not only were they ingesting makabu, which is part of the wakame seaweed, it's like this nutrient-rich, um, almost like the flowering part at the bottom of the seaweed. Okay. Um, they were also drying it and powdering it down and putting it in their skincare and hair care. Wow, that's very cool. So what we discovered, and it took them about 10 years of development, uh-huh. is that it basically acts like a, like a super sponge. Okay. And it brings hydration to your hair. So, um, but it's all natural. So when you, do, when you have that ingredient and you add other good stuff and you obviously take out all the bad stuff, which we've done, which is actually quite hard to do in hair care. Is it? It is because um, as U.S. consumers, we're very... Um, oh, my God. Like, anything that's banned in Europe is not banned here. So it's like we have all the bad stuff. Okay. Oh, you're going to get me on a whole tangent. But like, <laughs> Okay, so like there are like 1,500 ingredients that are banned in Europe. And yes. we, we follow EU standards for Masmi. Okay. And, which are much stricter very than... clean. Much stricter than the U.S. Yeah. Here, there's no real regulatory anything right so there's lots of different definitions of what's good bad clean not clean natural Mm -hmm. not natural and and all that stuff so that in and of itself is um a bit of a challenge but what i guess i was getting at so there's the regulatory piece but then there's the consumer piece like as consumers we're used to and i hate to say it like toxic stuff in our hair care and our in in all of our beauty products yeah and household items and household items yes and we're almost like so demanding and so um, annoyed if the products don't work well if they don't have the toxic stuff in there to make them work well so when it comes to hair care the challenge there is that the sulfates the parabens the um, 
phthalates, um, you know, they're basically surfactants that give you detergent, that make it suds, that give you sensorial experiences that you like. Yeah. So to take them out, um, a lot of organic brands or all natural brands, when you they take all that up, they don't set up like they don't. They don't no bubbles. Yeah. The experience it's is not good, heat, right? Yeah. Like people don't like it, or they're thin, they're watery, and yeah. so you know. What my partner James did is he worked really hard over the last 10 years to find alternative ingredients with our chemist, who's this amazing chemist who does um, really indie beauty brands okay. in, the nat- in the natural space. And he found her, and it took them this long to figure out how to find naturally derived replacement ingredients mm-hmm. that would still give people a luxury experience. Got it. So that's the unique thing about our products is they're super, super hydration and mm-hmm. work incredibly well. So that's high efficacy, but with a great experience. And we didn't want to take out the fragrance. And that's another sort of slightly okay. controversial thing with, you know, clean brands yeah. is a lot of clean skincare so brands. Well, they feel that you can't be truly clean if you have fragrance. But in our case, I think in hair, people want some fragrance. Yeah. And we just made our fragrance naturally derived. And we made sure it didn't have you know phthalates in it, which a lot of fragrance does. Yeah. Um, and because the labeling, again, back to the regulatory side, yes. you know, you just put fragrance. Uh-huh. You don't have to list what your fragrance is made of. Okay. There's a huge range of how good or bad your fragrance can right, be. Right, 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 right. Um, so as a general rule, you know, clean brands will say, you know, no fragrance, but, in, you know, in our case, I'm like, well, that doesn't really work for our brand. Mm-hmm. The fragrance is kind of light and fresh smelling, and it's gender neutral. It smells like the ocean. Too. Yeah, like exactly. Very clean, marine. We wanted our products to be appealing to guys. I mean, you see the packaging. It's not very girly. Yeah, it's very chic and green. The other thing that we did, which people seem to love, is there are little specks of the powder of our seaweed in the product. Because we don't use extracts, we use actual powder that's powdered down and we get it right from Japan. And it just gives us the highest level of active ingredient, which means that, again, it's like a massive sponge for your hair. Mm -hmm. So how do you guys ensure, because I mean, I think with the whole process of like getting it powdered down and like shipping it over and importing it over because where is your guys's lab or like in chicago so do you think that it loses like efficacy at all when during that transportation process i don't uh, you know it's a it's, it's a hard question because mm-hmm. i don't i'm not an expert in that yeah. process but i don't really think it does because when by the time it gets to our chemist and they're able to you know kind of use it and work with it and see the results Mm -hmm. and then by the time it gets to consumers you know and we have done tons of testing and people just absolutely love the product so you know I don't I I think it's the combination also of the other good stuff that we put in yeah um and right the whole formulation is not just that one ingredient. ingredient yeah But that's amazing that you guys are still so tied to Japan. I love beauty brands that are really, they stay true to their roots and they stay true to like the source and give back. I I just, I think that's a wonderful initiative that you guys are doing. I want some tips on how our listeners could pick and choose a clean beauty brand because you seem to be such an expert in that. Sure. What should they look for and avoid? Well, the first thing is to look at the ingredient list, right? And there's some really basic standards, like you don't want sulfates. Um, Most parabens are not good. Mm -hmm. Um, Phthalates are not good. And um, there are a couple of sort of what I would call like dirty lists. Okay. Credo has one. You can look at Sephora. You can look at Whole Foods. We actually follow Whole Foods list. Okay. And it just gives you a sense of, you know, generally speaking... 
the broad strokes, right? Yeah. I think um, the challenge is they're all different. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, you know, you can pick true. your list. <laughs> but at least at least you can start somewhere. Mm-hmm. And, and I think it's just about becoming more knowledgeable yeah. and asking questions about what's in the things that you're putting on your body, mm-hmm. in your body, around your body. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's it's It really does start to have an impact. And, you know, when I, when I think of, like, myself, I'm here sniffling because I have allergies. Okay. Yeah. My daughter has allergies. My husband is... So it's like we're all kind of products of our environment mm-hmm. to some degree. Yeah. And yeah, literally like everything we inhale, consume, put on ourselves. Right. Yeah. So I think it's our responsibility to just make sure all, all of those things are as healthy as they can be. Yeah. Is that kind of what you're passing on to your lovely daughter? <laughs> I think she's more interested in Glossier, but that's okay. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. <laughs> I was the exact same way. Exactly. I was but the exact same way. I mean, what we've discovered is that about like 90% of the hair care products in the U.S. actually have toxic stuff in them. So most of the mass brands, not all, but most, actually have these ingredients that some of them have known carcinogens, like some of them have um, uh, other effects, um, hormonal effects on your bodies and yeah. things like that. And um, But, you know, we're just, we just accept that because yeah. that's just the way it's been and the market is not regulated to the point where it's an issue. Yeah, it's, it's very loosely regulated. Yeah. yeah. And it's frightening for me because it's also the same way for the supplements that we yeah. actually consume. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Can you tell us about, like, your journey with the brands? What set this company apart from you to like want to to do it yeah to do it and be such a huge integral part of it yeah i mean just to give you even how integral it is Mm -hmm. um not only am i running the company but my husband and i are the investors wow so you really just saw the vision so i think it was yes and i think you know I had left my big corporate job. I was mm-hmm. doing brand consulting. Yeah. Um, it's, you know, I can do that in my sleep. I was working with a lot of startups, mm-hmm. mostly in the MarTech and ad tech space, a lot in Palo Alto and San Francisco, yeah. and that was really fun. Yeah. And um, I met James, and I have to admit, I met him through my husband. Okay. They had been working together, and my husband was also in advertising. And I have to admit, when Bill told me about James, I did a huge eye roll. Okay. Because I was like, oh, like, really? <laughs> this guy's been working on this on the side yeah. for like 10 years. Like, how good could it possibly be? Fine, uh-huh. I'll meet with him. Did they come at you on like a Shark Tank pitch? Not really, but kind of, kind okay. of. So what happened okay. was, so Bill had basically, so James went to Bill and was like, I have been working on these things and I kind of have them now ready, but uh-huh. what do I do? Yeah. And my husband has worked in advertising but he's worked in you know financial services yeah. and cars and those types of and I've done lots of beauty and yeah. you know other, so his response to James was you know you really should talk to Lynn and so I sat down with them over dinner one night and it was James and Masa and they took me through the whole journey mm-hmm. and the deeper they got the more interested I got because I was like oh they've actually thought through a lot of really important things yeah. like where they're going to source this ingredient and you know um and the giving back piece was mm-hmm. something we talked about in the beginning because i said that's gotta be part of it right yeah. and um what really happened was then he gave me products to try and 
and they, they were great. Yeah, and it, it turned you into a convert. <laughs> and again, like I'm kind, of, I'm really fickle, and I'm yeah. very cynical, and so it's hard for me to find a product I love, mm-hmm. and especially in hair care. I feel like I've always bounced between a number of brands and whatever. Yeah. But then I tried these products and I'm like, oh, damn, they're really good. Then I was like, okay, are you willing to change the brand name? Because he had a different brand name that okay. was not a good name. Yeah, you were like that with it. I was like, that's not Can working. Can you let us know what it was or no? Mm, Probably not. All right. <laughs> why not? I don't think he'll mind. It wasn't, it wasn't a bad brand name in and of itself. It just didn't make sense with the product. It was, okay. it was review, rev.u. Oh, okay. You okay. pronounce okay. it as review, yeah. but it was it was he couldn't get the trademark for that so he did rev rev dot you yeah and i think the idea of that is great for a beauty brand but again for what we were going for it's about simplicity it's about gender neutral it's about the japanese sensibility Uh it needed to convey that yeah um and you know you got to start with a great brand yes and then from there you got to build out like for me the packaging was super critical so tell us about it tell us so we landed on the brand name Uh and it happened because it was like, you know what? Masa is the muse. Let's yes. think of something with Masa. And then we landed on this idea of Masami. And then we started to, oh, wait a minute. It means truly beautiful. Amazing. So that was serendipity. Yeah, that was perfect. Perfect. Yeah. And then what happened from there is we had in our network um, access to like one of the top package designers, I think, in the world. Like, mm-hmm. he's awesome. Okay. Off the charts. He won the Smithsonian Award last year. Wow. Like, he's really good. <laughs> yeah. And he'd worked on another project, um, separate project, um, in kind of in our world. Mm-hmm. And we reached out to him, and he said, yeah, I, I'm, I'm interested. I'll do it. He actually generously gave us five designs, which he didn't really need to, because once we saw it, we're like, that's it. Yeah. Like, done, done, and done. And then it was basically moving on to figure out how to get it all sourced and made, Yeah, which was tricky. The sourcing and manufacturing of all the stuff, we ended up having to go to three or four different places to get certain, the smaller bottles from one manufacturer, the larger bottles in Amsterdam, believe it or not. Yeah, it's the only place they had those bottles. It's crazy. Stop. Oh, my goodness. So we had to kind of go scour the globe to get what we wanted. And um, from there, then it was, you know, putting it all together and um, figuring all that out and putting the team together and doing all that. So it's been about 18 months that we've been working on it, um, but we're now launched officially. Amazing. I mean, listen, all that hard work. And it just it comes down to the launch, and you're like, thank God, I get that feeling. I know. Oh my God, I get it. But that's just amazing that like you walked us through the branding process. It's so critical. How do you bring that branding into your marketing strategy? So it's a great question. So when you do the brand, what you also have to understand is the brand story. Okay. And then like how that story comes to life. What are the chapters of the story? Mm-hmm. What is the narrative? Yeah. You know what I mean? How do you tell the story? Yeah. So in our case, our brand has several sort of chapters, if you will, um, around you know obviously the the clean side of it Mm -hmm. the japanese heritage um the product efficacy the consumer response i mean that's a whole piece of the story yeah um so we kind of took our our brand positioning and just chunked it into like four or five different streams okay and then translated those into our different communications channels so you know you you can see now like if you look at our instagram 
you'll see different pieces of the story, yeah. right? Yeah. You'll see like a little bit of behind the scenes sometimes if it's, you know, James and I talking about a new store we're in or mm-hmm. whatever, or um, you'll see us talk about Makabu or the ingredient um, and the seaweed. You'll see yeah. sometimes we'll talk about Japan. Um, there's lots of hair underwater because we decided that there's so much um, hair photography that looks the same. It's yes. very Pantene-like, which yeah. is amazing. Yeah. Like, I feel like Pantene kind of set that standard back in when, I don't know, the 90s, but um, it's it's like everyone kind of looks the same. So mm-hmm. um, we decided to do our hair underwater. Very cool. So if you look at our hair imagery, besides real people, of course, yeah. <laughs> we're not going to ask them to like go in the shower and film themselves, but... Um, but we we did that because it's all about hydration. Yeah. So again, it goes back to the brand and what does the brand stand yeah. for, and then how do you bring it to life? And just making sure you have very clear brand guidelines. And okay. I know it's some of that discipline that is hard if, if you're not a marketer to mm-hmm. kind of understand, right? Because yeah, yeah. you just want to do it. Right. But it really helps, especially as you have more people on your team. I mean, we have a great PR partner called mm-hmm. Hudson Cutler okay. that we work with. Um, and as you expand out the team, you know, you need all those people to understand and not like learn on the job, yeah. if you will. You know yeah. what I mean? They have to already know kind of the ins and outs of everything. And, and just knowing the brand voice, knowing yes. the look and feel, yeah. now, you know, that stuff is super important, yeah. right? Being on brands, especially when it comes to having an online presence and generating sales online is everything. Yes. 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 Super to- critical. Totally agree. And you're a very hands-on investor. You're not like one of yeah. those that throw in money and you're like, all right, go do it. You're very hands-on. Well, yeah. <laughs> I love that. I don't think you can be more hands-on, actually. Yeah, you can't. Um, but you know what? It is a little bit of walking the walk, right? I mean, we, we decided once we wanted to do it and... It was clear that James and I are super complementary. Mm-hmm. Like we have really different skill sets. I'm much okay. more again about the brand yeah. and the strategy and the go-to-market strategy and the look and feel. And he's really deep in the world of like he was a producer and a creative services guy, so he knows hair. Like he could go into a setting and analyze ten different women and you know really get deep into the product like he's a he's like an innovation guy we already have three more products in the pipeline that he's cooking up really yes oh my god so exciting so he's just really good at that and so you know I knew right from the get-go because he and I were like a house on fire so we just decided (laughs) we work really well together Um, it's a good partnership and when you know my husband and I decided to invest in it then it was like you know what we can't blame anyone else, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> if it works, awesome. If it, yeah. if it doesn't, I'm going to have shampoo for the rest of my life. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a lifelong supply. Exactly. So what are you guys working on that you're most excited about right now? So the thing that I'm probably most excited about, besides the little things James is cooking up on the innovation pipeline, is uh-huh. we have a 34-ounce, a large-size refillable ceramic bottle that we're making. Okay. Because I'm trying to get out of plastic. That's wonderful. It's hard to get out of plastic when you're a hair care brand because you're in the shower, so you yeah. can't have glass because glass breaks, and you don't want to be responsible for that. Yeah. So um, the idea of ceramic was kind of we explored a bunch of different you know materials and products and what would work and not get moldy and mm-hmm. what would sustain the product and the formulation in the shower. Yeah. And so the idea of ceramic is like, okay, it can break, mm-hmm. but it's not going to shatter into little shards that are going to 
cut you. Tears it's going to yeah. break into chunks and yeah, that you you, can, you'll be bummed out that you broke your bottle, but it's not like it's going to have the same level of you know danger yeah. as a glass bottle. So we decided to do that, and that is in production. Um, so I'm really excited because it's beautiful too. Yeah, it's I'm just a very sleek, you know, and that's that's um, I yeah I, I think that's going to be a really cool thing. Yeah, and then as women, like we spend a lot of time in the bathroom, just yes. crimping and getting ready and stuff. We want our products to look yes, that's right. Bad packaging, it's it matters. Packaging is everything. Exactly. So I'm excited to see these ceramic bottles. I think that's a wonderful idea. Yeah. What is the biggest hair care tip you've learned since starting at Mossy? Well, I would say, um, like, I never would have used a shine serum before. <laughs> it's a big thing. But it really helps. It helps, yeah. It really does. And I would say also, like, it's tempting, and I did this when I was younger, not so much maybe to today's generation, but, you know, to, like, do stuff to your hair, like a perm. Or oh, my like, God. And I would say just don't avoid it. Just try to stick with your natural. Mm -hmm. If you have natural wave, be happy you have a natural wave. If your hair is naturally straight, be happy. Don't try to make it into something it's not because then you end up, it just doesn't work. Yeah. Well, it works, but it ruins your hair in the process. Yeah, and it takes longer to get your hair quality back or your hair health back. That's right. I got a bad perm when I was like so young. I told you before we started recording, yeah. I haven't used heat and I stopped coloring my hair for like three years. So prior to, I was like blonde, which yeah. is not good for your hair. Yeah. It's tough and it's so tempting to like change it up. Yeah. 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 It's just you got to do it in a way that isn't going to fry your hair. Yeah. <laughs> um, do you ever hear like, like supplements for your hair, like, you know, like biotin mm. and stuff. Do you think those things work? I heard, I've read about them. Um, you know, it was interesting at CEW last year, there were a few of those products. I think what I've heard, and this is all anecdotal, so okay. I, I don't know anything okay. other than as, as a consumer. Okay, we won't hold you <laughs> yeah. to it, yeah. Um, but I think they work while you're using them. You, yes. In other words, like, if you're using it, the way you're supposed to and take it two or three times a day uh -huh. i think your hair does get thicker i think okay. it does you know get fuller yeah but then i think as soon as you stop using it it all kind of falls out and goes back to the way it was really that's yeah. what i've heard i don't know so <laughs> it's just if it really matters to you and you want to stick with that routine and it works for you then yeah. great mm -hmm. yeah um you know yeah do you use anything for your hair other than obviously masami um no and i you know the irony of this whole thing is I'm like a low hair involvement person. Like a very low maintenance. Yes. Hair-wise. Yes. Yeah. And like I said with you, I have thin hair, I color my hair, and um, I just... I love this hairstyle though. It's Thank you. I love it. But it, I literally, like, this is it. my go-to hairstyle every day. <laughs> and so I never wear my hair down. Really? People would, oh, God, no. Yeah. Right? Why not? Because um, it just it's just thin and it just doesn't look great okay. and so I just don't like it so I just so that's the thing it's like here I'm launching a hair care brand and I, my own hair is like not great but it's the best it can be for what it is yeah yeah and I do think the Mosme products have uh, made my hair feel fuller and healthier and because again my hair is really thin mm -hmm. and pretty pathetic um, <laughs> so anyway. What is your ride or die product? Like, if you could pick one, 
What is like your desert island hair product? I love the styling cream because, um, <clears throat> well, it's interesting because it's definitely a product that seems to appeal more to men. Okay. But I like it because it's almost like a lotion for your hair that holds also. Got so it. So I've had people open it and literally rub it into their hands and use it. And I'm like, you know it's for your hair, right? It's not a lotion. Oh, so lo- people are using it as lotion? As lotion. And they're like, yeah, no, I know, but I just like it. And, oh my um, God. Because it, it's, it's not sticky. It doesn't okay. have that grease or stickiness that other sort of hair gels have. But I like that it just it just gives me a little bit of hold and manageability and okay. keeps the flyaways from... So that's that would Got be my it. go-to product. Okay. For sure. I have like a problem and I feel like the styling cream might help with it. Like whenever I wash my hair the first day, it's so flat because it's like nothing holds. Like if I flip it over one way, it like bounces right back. So... The I feel like styling cream might be your answer. Yeah. Um, and the nicing method, it doesn't build up and get gunky. Or Perfect. Like, because, you know, if, if you don't wash your hair every day, yeah. you don't want to have those products that get, like, chunks of stuff or crust. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It'll look like you have dandruff out Yeah, no, that's it. no good. Can't do it. Can't do it. What was, like, the biggest difference that you see transitioning from working for other people to working for yourself? Like, what's been the most rewarding thing? What's been the hardest thing? Yeah, I found it really liberating. I guess it's also because the advertising industry is going through such upheaval that I was spending a lot of my days, because again, I was I was the CEO of a JWT New York, is a large agency, so okay. it was like dealing with HR, dealing with finance, dealing with stuff that was not about creative or brands or yeah. ideas. An energy drain for you. It was an energy drain for me, yeah. exactly. And so that was not fun. So once I started doing my own thing, like I said, I was working with startups directly mm-hmm. with founders. I felt I could make an impact on their business. Yeah, That was really liberating and really rewarding. And I just have loved it. My biggest challenge is that I have a hard time saying no to a good idea. I just get so excited by different things yeah. and then I want to go do it. And then I'm like, well, wait a minute, I really, I don't really have time for that. Yeah. But you know what? I kind of feel like if you get the right team around you and you have other passionate people about something, you can figure it out mm-hmm. and you make yeah. it work. Yes. You can make everything work. I just drive <laughs> myself nuts in the process. <laughs> I want to also get investing advice from you. What if somebody, for example, came up to me or one of our listeners with like a pitch what is like the one thing you would look for in a pitch? Well, it's hard because it's not really one thing. I would say if it had to be one thing, it would be passion of the person, yeah. right? Like that they have what it takes to see this thing through. Because mm-hmm. a lot of people will have a good idea, but then yeah, it's they, hard to actually make through. it, right? Yeah. Like, And then you get sidetracked and then you get dis- discouraged and then you just kind of things fall off. So, mm-hmm. But I would say the pitch itself, you know, you have to just think through all the different elements. Like, mm-hmm. is it a good story? Yes. Does it hold true to what the consumer wants mm-hmm. and needs? You're not making something that they don't care about. Yeah. Um, you know, do you have a purpose to your mission? Um, you know, have you thought through how it all hangs together? Yeah. Have you thought through the go-to-market strategy well? Like, all those things, I think, are the things that, you kind of go, oh, okay, you've checked all the boxes. Do you have the yeah. right people around you? Yeah. That's a big one because if you don't have the right team... Things fall apart really quick. Yes. Yeah. It's probably the number one reason I think startups fail. You think so? Yeah. I just think if you don't have a, a, the right people and the right support and the yeah. right skill sets around you, mm. you're screwed. Yeah. The drive of the team has to match the drive of 
higher management, I think. They have to, to align. align. Yes. yes. Agree. Yeah, because yeah. mm-hmm. yeah, otherwise it's true. It's like you you got to get everybody kind of on the same page. Yeah. What is your best advice for female entrepreneurs, CEOs, boss babes? I would say um, build a network. Got it. Um, there's so many women that are willing and open and happy <laughs> to help yeah. just because. Yeah. And it's really not that hard to find them. So I'd say, you know, proactively find women that are generous uh-huh. and have experience that you want mm-hmm. <laughs> or have something to provide. Yeah. And like, just say, you're going to be my mentor. Yeah. And find a few of them yeah. and do it. Yeah. That's what I would they say. They can only be flattered by that. They, yeah. I think a lot of people are afraid to speak out. When they're like, hey, like, I respect what you're doing. I admire what you're doing. Like, show me the way. Like, I, I, if somebody did that to me, I'd be so flattered. Right? Yeah. I would never be like, oh, no, girl, get out of my way. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Like, I think nine times out of ten, the response is going to be that. I yeah. mean, every once in a while, you're going to get somebody who's like, look, I just can't for whatever reason. Or yeah. Whatever. But, yeah, I think, I think women are not good at that. Yeah. Like, just, we're just... We're not used to speaking up. We're not used to asking for help in yeah. the way of like, men have no problem tapping their entire network and being yeah. like, hey, I need a new job. Yeah, yeah. Um, where women, it's like, no, I've got to I've gotta prove that I can do it first and I've got to earn my way there. That's true. It's like, forget it. Yeah. Um, so I do think if women just start boosting up other women um, and we build our own networks mm-hmm. um, off the golf course, then we can pretty much figure out anything yeah please tell our listeners where they can find sure hair yep so you can find us online at um, lovemasami.com mm-hmm. so it's l-o-v-e-m-a-s-a-m-i.com mm-hmm. or you can also find us on any of our social channels at love masami hair okay. so we are instagram facebook pinterest YouTube, Twitter. <laughs> All of it. All of, All it. of it. And cargo. And cargo. She just told me about cargo earlier, and now I have to get on it. You got to try it. I got to try it. Thank you for having me on. No, appreciate it. of course. Of course. Have a wonderful day. Thank you so thank much you. for talking to us today. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> Bye. Bye. I hope you guys enjoyed that conversation with Lynn Powers of Masami Hair. If you guys enjoyed this episode or any other previous episodes, go ahead and give me five stars and hit that subscribe button on iTunes. Thank you so much for coming out to hang out with me today. Sending you guys so much love from Thailand. Have a wonderful weekend. Be safe, have fun, and I'll talk to you guys next week. Bye.